0: welcome i hope you enjoy the conversation you're about to see between me and another comedian about religion and comedy these are conversations i'm calling disorganized religion god bless and for those atheists out there may nothing await you after this life hey nerds welcome to another episode of disorganized religion i'm your host as always seth lawrence and today i am joined by two fantastic comedians first andy Ryder. second Matthew Robinson, creators, both of them of the super amazing Instagram live show. Uh, Matthew Robinson is the face behind comedian Matthew Robinson, who we might meet a little bit later (laughs) in this episode. Thank you, gentlemen, so much for joining me.
1: So now you know when to get off the podcast when CMR is coming in. That's when you know to stop (laughs) listening.
0: (laughs) Unless you want a really good time. And then stick (laughs) around. Stick around for a little offense, a little spice and pizzazz. Uh, so, how long have you each been doing comedy? I started in twenty fourteen. Uh, been...
2: Whoa, twenty fourteen. Yeah, uh, I started two thousand
0: nine. Oh wow! So you guys have both been doing it for a pretty hot minute.
1: And much like my character, I started uh, by taking a comedy class. Oh, very. Multiple nice. comedy classes. Uh, there's a little bit of myself in the character.
0: <laughs> no, I would <laughs> never have guessed. And Andy, did you also take a comedy class, or are you, the old school can't no. teach me nothing. I'm doing I mean, this on I my took, own.
2: I took improv classes, but I didn't take a stand-up comedy class. No. Got so, it.
0: So yeah, I was just
2: like, there was only I don't. I I started in Charleston, South Carolina, so there wasn't. I don't at the time when I started, there wasn't a comedy class to take, anyways. Sure. So it's kind of go you know, up and do it if you want to do it.
0: Yeah. Uh, when so, do you feel like comedy classes started popping up where you were, if they ever did?
2: Like, three or four years in, I think, is when that started becoming a thing where people were like, oh, hey, uh, there's a, like, this other comedian you know is teaching a stand-up comedy class, and it was kind of, like, weird, because, like, all those people who took the class, like, they weren't bad, but then, like, it seemed like shortly after the class, after they finished their class, they never did stand-up again, (laughs) and I was like, oh. (laughs) Sure.
0: Well, you know, for some people, it's kind of a bucket list thing, you know? I just want to get up on stage, I want to perform one time, and then I'm good. That and skydiving.
1: That and skydiving.
0: Yeah, skydiving is yeah. for sure on my bucket list. But becoming an instructor, you know. You know, Are I think what do we skydive? do is
1: braver, Seth. I think what we do is braver than people. I who think skydive. so.
0: I think so for <laughs> sure.
1: No, no nets when we're trying to get laughs. <laughs> That's
0: right. That's right. Oh my Seth, goodness! Have you yet, What's that?
2: Have you gone skydiving
0: yet? No, I have not gone skydiving. I oh, I okay. made the mistake of getting married and having kids so now mm. my wife is like my wife is like you cannot skydive because then really? what am I gonna do yeah because oh, she, I'm she, she imagines the worst she imagines the parachute won't eject or you know yeah. I won't have an instructor strapped to my back that will save me
1: mm. be careful hey, about whatever life have... insurance policy is taken out in your name
0: I know then if she must... tells you to go skydiving then you'll be like mm. Mm. I'll know I'll know something's up yeah what were you going to say, Andy? I was just going to say that
2: all those things happen to my mom whenever she skydives, so I get it.
0: <laughs> the chute doesn't open up? and Does your mom she skydive open. for real?
2: She went skydiving, yeah, on her, like, 50th birthday. That was her last birthday, so.
0: And then she died. Yeah, that
2: was it, pretty much. <laughs> we still celebrate it, though, so it feels weird. Feels
0: <laughs> yeah, 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 and she didn't die from skydiving. She died from choking. You know, I think a
1: funeral should be a celebration of life, so I think that's very beautiful what you did, Andy. (laughs) Oh, (laughs)
0: totally. Yeah, that's great. That's great. Uh, All right, so you started, Andy, in South Carolina. Matthew, where did you start? Los Angeles, right here. Oh, right here, baby.
1: I've I've actually only done comedy in L.A. The farthest north I've ever gone is Santa Clarita, so.
0: yeah yeah, yeah. i am
1: uh, a stereotypical la comic this is all i know which probably explains why all my jokes are insider open mic jokes
0: (laughs) it's great it's great for those of us on the in crowd uh yeah yeah. nice and so andy for you what made the move to la what Sorry. what brought you to la was it stand-up that Uh, brought you to la or was it something else Uh uh-huh
2: no it was it was I mean like the idea was to be eventually be a writer anyways and so you know like uh i had had a friend who moved to New York to be part of UCB and then he didn't that didn't happen but then he produced like a one-man show off Broadway there that did okay.
0: Wow yeah.
2: But still bitter because he didn't get UCB. Yeah of course. I moved to New York he's like what do you want to do and I was like right for TV he's like just move to LA (laughs) and I was like all right and then he's like he's like don't ever go to New York I was like okay I'm sorry I've touched some nerves here apologize yeah
0: Yeah. holy smokes uh interesting all right now Matthew did you do any improv classes or no
1: I took a couple of improv classes with this guy who taught UCB but nothing really formal I did a when I was at the summer program for the American Academy of the Dramatic Arts, I did some improv, but nothing formal. But mm-hmm. I don't know if you've ever seen me do non-CMR comedy, but my comedy has always been kind of improvisational and stream of consciousness. And in the moment, a uh, heavy mix of crowd work to begin with. So
0: sure, I've always
1: just kind of been an improvisational comic. So I've kind of learned on stage doing it that way.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Gotcha. So, for both of you, what was the draw for stand-up? Uh, and, and I guess for you both, since you both at least dabbled, I don't know, Andy, if you did it more professionally, improv or not, but what drew you kind of away from improv and more into stand-up?
2: Uh, so, I started out doing improv. Uh, there was a theater in Charleston called Theater, theater 99 and uh that was like a big comedy theater and um a friend of mine named tommy hutchins like talk, just said like one day we were we played soccer together and he's like hey theater 99 offers classes we should take it and i was like okay so we started taking classes together and at the same time like a lot of the people who were involved at theater 99 were also doing stand-up comedy mm. uh so i was like oh like he, he again tommy was just like hey they're doing an open mic we should go do that i was like all right so I was, like, pretty excited because it's something I always wanted to do. But, like, when you watch it on TV, it's not like they have a how-to guide on how to get to that point. They're just like, right. like oh, I guess I should have taken a class in college or something. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know how this well, works.
1: Emerson sure thinks they can teach you that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just wait. It's coming. Oh my You're going to have a bunch of walking vulture articles lecturing you about why your premises don't work. Oh, no.
0: <laughs> gotcha. So, so it was just kind of in the – I guess atmosphere at Theater 99, the stand up yeah, bug.
2: Yeah. And, and now it's weird because like, there's a very sharp divide between the people who do improv and the people who do stand up, but it's yeah. like, oh, it's odd. But yeah, at the time it was like, so that's why I never, like when I moved out here, I was like, oh, people do not like improvisers in the stand up seat here for some reason. I don't know what right. happened.
0: Right. I, I don't know if it's a rejection of ourselves because so many of us started in improv yeah. and then moved to stand up. Uh, or i also think it's like a one-sided rivalry. It's like the school that yeah. hates the other school, but the other school has no idea they're hated. Right. So i've
2: had a couple of improviser friends try stand up and they usually don't like it. They're like like it's for all the right reasons to not like it. Um, are <laughs> sitting at a mic. I was sitting at a mic with my friend Jacob and he was like, "Is this all you do?" I was like, "What?" He's like, "We've sat here for 45 minutes and haven't gone up yet." I was like, "Oh yeah, this is all we do. We just sit <laughs> yeah. here and wait."
1: And that's and a good go mic. <laughs> Wait till you get the Corbin ball you your number 27? Right. <laughs> <laughs> he,
2: he hasn't done stand up since. That was his last time I That think was, was it.
0: Standing. And did that's he get also, up on stage or no?
2: Yeah, he did he did get up on stage but he was like you just sit here for like he's like if I do improv like he was already kind of big at IO so he could like go up and do shows like all the time. So I was like yeah.
0: Oh. Yeah. Huh.
2: It's also
1: improvisers are too um, busy dealing with the brutal politics of any theater to really care about what we're doing.
0: (laughs) Right. It's like a fucking country
1: club over there. I mean, that's, I really enjoy improvisation, but I am annoyed by a lot of improvisers. And I remember doing a couple of improv shows after a class and there were just all these like mind games that were played. It was like going to like the most awkward country club. It was like auditioning for a country club or going, I was like back on frat row at Vanderbilt. Like it was like the weirdest thing. Mm. this one guy i i I thanked him for letting me have the gig and he's like well that's because we're never going to have you again and i was like is he fucking with me is he being (laughs) passive aggressive this one guy shook his hand he started like massaging the middle of my palm just to fuck with me and he was on my improv team and i was like i just can't deal with these weird passive aggressive people who watch way too much arrested development and think they're funnier than they are
0: (laughs) right well i think you deal this there's this aspect of I guess people that deal in comedy stand up and improvisers alike who just can never turn it off. Yeah. You know, right. like there, they're, for some reason cannot function as a normal human being unless they feel like they're on all the time.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Dude. Like, I remember like yeah. reading, um, I think it was someone was, I was talking with someone. They were like, imagine being around Robin Williams all the time. Imagine how entertained that would be. I'd be like, no, that would be fucking hell. Yeah. I would want to hang myself after five minutes being around Robin Williams, like all yeah. the
0: time. Yeah, and I, I mean, from my understanding, Robin Williams wasn't always Robin True. Williams. You know, he's not the one we see on stage, right? Like, he clearly had some dark times in his life. Um, so this ability to turn on and off, I think, comes into huge play with you, Matthew Robinson. Yeah, what, thank you. What is the switch? What is the Hulk motivator for you between Matthew Robinson and comedian Matthew Robinson?
1: Well there's two separate ways I get myself in the character. One is live and one during the live streams and the zooms for stage performance. That's why I go up, I slap everybody's hands. I give a bunch of high fives and do a big high energy, energy introduction. One that gets me in the proper mind space to be the character. Mm -hmm. And secondly, it sets up the audience um, what they should expect. Once I get on stage, it's like to kind of get them ready for what they're about to be in store for for the next five minutes. Sure so that's what i'll do usually like five minutes beforehand i'll start thinking about it for the zoom and for um for zoom shows and instagram lives i listen to a lot of new metal beforehand
0: uh-huh so i'll listen to
1: yeah corn uh limp biscuit chevelle whatever's i'm in the mood for
0: <laughs> sure
1: and i just put on the hat man it's like a reverse superman i just get like stupider and more offensive
0: that's great does does evanescence ever creep into this playlist or no no dude that's beta <laughs> Dude, that that's like that's a guy singing, a a song about, singing
1: Sometimes no, because it's, it's a guy who's doing the second vocal and will bring me back to life i can't wake up it doesn't sound tough <laughs> lincoln park what about lincoln park lincoln park as long as there's no rapping i just listen okay. to chester screaming god god bless that's <laughs> his soul
0: um but as oh soon as mike god.
1: shinoda starts rapping that, that that's fucking beta you're
0: out you're out yeah got it Interesting. Uh, And so what was your inspiration for the character comedian Matthew Robinson?
1: I was on the way to yard work back when um, Disney was hosting it. And I hated my core set. I had nothing planned. And I was sitting next to this guy in a lift line and he was on Tinder. And he was like your quintessential LA douche, right? You know, like sweatpants, beard, like half cut shirt, swiping back and forth, kind of like a ginger Zach Mendez. (laughs) <laughs> that's how i would describe the guy i mean i'm just trying to think of a way to, to describe making fun of me right now <laughs> no i'm making fun of you <laughs> and zach
2: mendez it's, yeah, it's, it's, so it's a layered it. joke oh my gosh
1: <laughs> um and i saw him swiping back and he was like you know summarily swiping back and forth on tinder and i wrote this really hacky tinder joke and i was like hey i should create a character around this and then i tried it it had a decent response i think kadi asad and tessa I, I don't know her last name off the top of my head that's a vanda hair. hair said nice things about it and i was like okay maybe i'll try this again then i bought the stroke shirt put the jays hat on backwards and uh i've been annoying everybody in la comedy ever since and that was it <laughs> that
0: was it do you remember the tinder joke what was the tinder oh joke? i
1: still tell it um uh who oh. here's on tinder so then people oh, yeah. raise their hand like yeah i'm on tinder uh i like to use tinder where i'm taking a dump that way, when I swipe left, I can tell bitches they ain't shit. <laughs> <laughs> and um, I've had a couple of comics come up to me and tell me they hate my set. And one was like a typical, like, liberal arts graduate comic from, like, New York. Said, okay. I hated that joke. Yeah. yeah the only people like who have ever that. told me not to tell a joke, both white women. Interesting. And both, I would guess, upper middle class.
0: Mm, sure, sure. Both kind of the Karen offended on behalf of others.
1: Yeah. Basically if Ibram X. Kendi ever sees my set, I will get canceled.
0: Yeah. That'll be it. That'll (laughs) be it. Oh my gosh. So uh, Andy, what's your persona? How would you describe your comedy for people who have never seen you perform? (laughs) Uh,
2: It's a mix of truth and half truths. That's, that's really about it. Like I don't really, I don't feel like I'm being any different than I normally am. It's just like, I'm just heightened it a little bit. Um. 'Cause I know I've had definitely had people like come up to me and they're like, Oh, that that's true, right? And I'm like, No, that's not true. That's obviously a joke and then other things they are like I had one friend at a festival like keep telling other people he was like, This guy's a liar, by the way. He just lies throughout the whole set. I was like, I didn't realize the whole point of comedy was to tell the truth all the time. I thought we were <laughs> making <laughs>
0: I mean, certainly some of it should be true. Yeah, some of it's true. Like all of it should be true. Yeah,
2: yeah. Like you know, yeah. I'm not gonna lie about my grandmother being Asian. Like she is. Like that's just the truth. <laughs> um, you know, yeah. I'm not gonna lie about being married. Like I am married. So it's like, well, what? You know, there, there's that. You know, but right. other things that are so far, so far beyond any kind of. Um, any kind of like normalcy, people are still like, but that's true. I was like, how would that be true? Like how like I I used to tell a joke about like being in a short film where like um I fall in love with a centaur who's like reversed, like the bottom half is human and the top half is horse. they're like, How did you do that? I was like, that, that's not a real thing. I, I don't, <laughs> how would I how would I've done that? Like that's not even a possible thing, you know? I, yeah. Okay, whatever. Yeah. Um
0: So so for yeah. both of you, I feel uh, like so truth Oh, sorry. Go ahead. What were you saying? Oh, that's just
2: my comedy, basically.
0: Yeah. I mean, that is comedy. So where, where for you is, I guess for me as like an observer of comedy, when I watch someone perform and they use a lie in the premise, that's when it bothers me as Mm -hmm. like, I feel cheated as an audience member. What would be an example of that? Well, like, okay. So like, for instance, if it's like, I, I, uh, You know, I told my wife the other day that, like, we have to, I don't know. I don't know. It's usually when people talk about themselves being married Mm. or having, like, uh, a sibling or a kid when they don't have any of those things. It's, like, like just to set up this punchline so they can say something offensive when they're not that thing. Like, the premise isn't true, so their punchline feels uh you know disingenuous or whatever right like i don't know one example is, is that i i can't remember which which person i i saw do this but it was like i have they started the joke by being like i have a sister who's mentally handicapped mm. and
2: oh uh, okay
0: then it's like the joke which is whatever but then they come back and they're like oh, i never had a sister that was mentally handicapped
2: oh yeah that's
0: annoying oh they did that in the set yeah yeah, or, or you talk to them later afterward. And, you know, oh, I think I see there, there are two happen. one people would admit to it after the joke, be like, Oh no, that didn't really like, you know, I didn't have that thing that I told you I yeah. had or two, they'll like let it go. And then after the set, you'll be like, Oh, no kidding. I have, I have a sister who's mentally handicapped. Has that been tough for you? And they're like, Oh no, I didn't, <laughs> I, I don't have that. I'm not a loser or, you know, like whatever it is. <laughs> How do you both play with that? Because you both seem to, you know, I think comedy. Yes, it's a mix of truth and lie. But right. where do you stand on 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 the truth and lie being either in the way or or detrimental? Hmm.
2: I don't. I I think. Uh, I don't really. I kind of see your point. Like if it's like used to just tell like a mean joke about somebody that they wouldn't be able to get away with. Otherwise they're like, my sister's this way. And they're like, later on they're like, I don't have a sister or whatever. And then it's kind of like, okay, well you just use that as like a crutch to get the joke through, I guess. Right. But, um, like one of my favorite Stephen Wright jokes is he was like, I was on the grand jury for about 50 million ants that had been accused of, uh, dressing up as rice to steal money from the vault of a bank. And he's like, that's not possible. He's like, those ants yeah. are my. I know these ants, and it's like, well, of course he doesn't know these ants. It's so ridiculous and right. so um, On the other hand, I I did tell. I used to. I, I still tell this joke, but I just like. Uh, you guys can tell I was homeschooled at one point. Like I'll just say that, and that would be a laugh. Um, and people still think that of me. Like before <laughs> I told the joke, people thought I was homeschooled at some point. They're like, you were homeschooled, right? I was like, no, what? Yeah. Um, but one guy actually did get mad at me because he was like. <laughs> wait, you weren't homeschooled? I was like, no. He was like, I was homeschooled. I was like, okay, so I thought of that joke before you. I don't know what you want me to say to that. Like,
0: right. Tough, he was just, I guess. You
2: know, yeah.
0: yeah. Interesting. So
2: I guess, it, yeah, I don't really like it as a crutch for like getting some like, you know, to like just make a joke about like a handicapped person or whatever, but like, mm-hmm. um. I never go into comedy expect, like thinking, like, this is all true. What this person is saying, yes, definitely. This is right. going to, like... Because I, I also don't look at comedy as, like... Some people look at comedy as, like, high art and, like, this is philosophy and this is going to, like, change my world. And I'm, like, I just want to laugh, like, a yeah. lot. I don't care if any of this is true or not, you know?
0: Right, right, right. No, that makes sense. That's fair.
1: I mean, for me, I think it all depends on, A, how good of a joke writer you are, B, how good of a storyteller you are, and B, and C kind of what your stick is. So mm. I think you have to be true within what you're trying to do comedically. So like within my character, there's certain truths I have to do within the character that if I don't do those truths, it's not a good performance. I have to make rules about what the character believes, what the character finds funny and play that character. Um, for me, I sometimes feel that like, I sometimes approach comedy kind of more like an actor in a way or like a writer. Mm. So for me, I'm not so caught up on truth I kind of like playing with the concept of what's truth and I kind of like obfuscating it, obfuscating it a little bit. Like I yeah. sometimes, sometimes I find that like this whole idea that we have to be truthful in comedy, even if you are, it's an exaggerated truth. I, I sometimes feel like that's a little bit of a weird world. I feel like it's, it hinders people creatively. Hmm. Um, but I do see your point. Like, you know, if someone's just making up having a, you know, a sibling with mental problems, just to have a joke, the joke better be well told, right? Because then it seems like you're kind of cheating away. But, sure. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I, I also think kind a lot of like of it, more absurdist con- comedy too. So, from right, it's I mean, I think a lot of, a of it deal. has to
0: do with what you talked about in persona. If you're an absurdist comedian, then it's almost like who cares what premise you use. But if you play off as like a you know Tom Segura say a storyteller or a you know a Bur- Bill a Bill Burr right who's going to tell you some things yeah. that they've really genuinely thought about, then it feels disingenuous if you're suddenly breaking that just to get oh, through right. some punch. Yeah, out.
1: like if I found out you weren't a Mormon and had three kids and didn't go to Brigham Young University, I would be pissed. <laughs> right, because
0: like cheated. that's the only reason you even know who I am. Yeah, that's the only <laughs>
1: reason. You're the, the comic who doesn't drink
0: caffeine. Oh well, I drink caffeine. Oh, I do drink caffeine. No alcohol, though. No okay. alcohol. Right. So how did you two meet? How did you two meet? How did you two start the live stream show?
2: Uh, I remember the first time I saw Matthew it was definitely at that yard work set. The first yard work set he did at CMR. Uh-huh. Um, but I don't think we started talking until we started seeing each other at Winovino.
1: Yeah. I think we talked about the death tones with peaches, right? That's when the, fr- the first time we had a real in-depth conversation.
2: We yeah, in faith no more. Yeah, that's Faith cool. No
1: More, yeah, yeah. I think I was wearing my Angel Dust shirt.
2: <laughs> yeah.
0: Was this is like, up- signed like
1: a first date. This is kind of a little bit yeah, weird. Yeah, that's great. Oh, my gosh. I didn't know if Andy liked me. I didn't know if he thought it was funny.
0: Right. Classic issues with open mic comedians when we all first meet.
1: Yeah, I think – and then Andy and I were working on this other YouTube project. Um, it was called Andy Knows Music, But CMR Knows Better, where he was trying to do this live YouTube um, – like vlog about the music he likes and i would come in each episode and ruin it so yeah it was kind of like a mix a riff on beavis and Bothead in a way sure and we were going to do a joint show together to release the youtube series and then la shut down
0: right oh, So that was gotcha. right in
1: march and we still had the date blocked off and i was like hey let's just try and do a live stream yeah And i think the first one it was rough i think it was just the two of us you know hazel and natasha on it yeah we just kind of rambled back and forth for th- forth for 30 minutes and Andy was like oh maybe we should have a guest and
2: then <laughs> I thought had you were a like, night for myself. You're like this is rough Andy we should have somebody else <laughs> talk to. <Okay."> <laughs>
0: <laughs> you need to play off some other kind of straight guy that just lets us yeah. be crazy.
1: I think also we didn't we didn't script or come up with any ideas about what we would talk about. We're like oh we'll just act like we're starting a podcast and just riff man. We're funny. And then I was like nope. Yeah, <laughs> 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 yeah the,
0: it's so it's At tough. least I have some of the game plan. Sure. Sure. So what is your both – I mean, Matthew, you were raised in L.A. or – No, I was
1: born in – I was born San Luis Obispo, grew up in Colorado Springs, Colorado.
0: Oh, gotcha. Okay. So uh, for – and you were, Andy, born, raised in South Carolina or at least raised in South Carolina?
2: Yeah, born and raised in South Carolina.
0: Got it. Okay. So I, based on that, I would, I would guess that Andy has a bit more of a religious background or at least more religious exposure – I don't know, Colorado Springs. There might be Focus some on the family, dude. The religious fervor. Uh, yeah. So, so what's your what's your guys's background? You know, in in your how were you brought up? Were you brought up religiously, or or was it just a free for all?
2: You can go first, Andy. Okay. Um, so, uh, I my family was like church on holidays usually. Mm-hmm. Um, and when
0: you say church you mean like catholic mass or do you mean baptist no, like,
2: like baptist yeah okay um but then like uh my you know my parents got divorced when i was like pretty young mm. and then uh, my dad remarried um my stepmom who's like very into like pentecostal church so like Whenever, whenever my dad's on the weekends, like occasionally we'd go to church as well, and I was like, "Whoa, this is weird and crazy. Like, like this is bizarre."
0: Sure. Aren't
1: Pentecostal services very high energy?
2: Yeah. Yeah.
1: Like sweaty, right?
2: That's like, are they the snake handlers too? Is that an offshoot of it? No, 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 no. That's a, that's a, that's a very, yeah, it's a pretty big offshoot there. Um, yeah. <laughs>
0: so- yeah, yeah, but but I think they do kind of belong in the general Pentecostal umbrella.
2: Mm. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Um but yeah, they're they're the holy rollers, they're the okay. speaking in tongues, the like yeah. public healings.
1: What about uh who's it Jim Baker? Was he a Pentecostal preacher?
2: That sounds right. I or Maybe he was an
1: evangelical, even I don't know. Wait, yeah, no, no, know. he was
2: like a Baptist dude. He was like part of the Baptist oh, Okay. Like, um like uh but like faith healers and stuff like that. Like, uh, I think there's that, uh, there's that channel Trinity broadcast network. I think they're all like Pentecostal. Mm. I
1: feel like me, the phone Regilio in to really answer these religion questions. He <laughs> seems to know everything.
0: He, he knows. He definitely would know. Uh, sure. so you, you kind of straddled then Pentecostal and Baptist.
2: Yeah. But like, you know, um, I think when I started going to church on my own, I just went to like, uh, baptist for a while and then it was just like okay i'm just gonna go to like a non denominator i went i would think like my first year of college i went to a lutheran church for a bit Hmm. because that was the only church that was open early enough for me to go there and then go to work immediately after gotcha Uh, but that was like a really interesting switch for me i was like whoa we are much more laid back here all right cool, (laughs)
0: laid back in one sentence laid back in like what what it means to sin or repent or what do you mean laid back
2: uh, like every like every aspect was like pretty laid back. Like it was just like, oh, like like they weren't like I felt like um, uh, in Charleston I feel like people go to church, but it's almost like uh more of a social thing, yeah, than anything else. And it's like, oh yeah, no, I'm doing just fine. And it's like, what's really going on though, dude? Uh, sure. Whereas like church, like they're not like being vocal about it, but they're not trying to hide it either. Where they're like, oh yeah, no, 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 totally. I was uh uh one of my friends like he went to that church but as like a joke we had they had this uh thing at the campus where like you could uh ride a golf cart with like these goggles that would warp your vision a little bit and that was supposed to be like give you the idea of like driving drunk sure he was very open back to you was like i've driven drunk several times like this is nothing like this okay like, maybe keep that down next to the police officer <laughs> next to you don't talk about that so much but like sure um
0: i see what you're saying yeah a little bit more real then
2: yeah yeah a little more real um now I go to like Mosaic. Like I just watched that on like weekends uh, now that we're not meeting in person. But
0: yeah. So what is Mosaic?
2: Uh, they're like a I guess a non-denominational church or whatever. Uh, okay. Out here.
0: Yeah. Still identify as Christian. Yeah. Okay. Got it. Sweet. What What yeah. about you, Matthew? Oh, sorry. What did you have? Something else, Andy? No. Mm-mm. Oh, okay. I
2: thought Good. I heard dog bark. What? <laughs>
0: oh, okay. <laughs> the Palms are up. Yeah, uh-oh. Uh, Matthew, what about you? What about you, growing up in Colorado Springs? Well, first of all, I would say that
1: comedy is my religion, so, you know. Oh, very... okay.
0: <laughs> all right. No, no,
1: no, no. Um, yeah. Growing up in Colorado Springs, Colorado, we were technically meth- Methodist, but um, religion wasn't a big part of my life growing up. We were like C&E Protestants. Um, yeah. I think I cried when I was baptized. Um, so C&E
0: when you say C&E, what does that mean?
1: Christmas and Easter. Got it. So, you know, we basically just celebrate the holidays and even go to church. Yeah. Um, I mean, I guess you could say culturally Christian.
0: Yeah. Um, uh-huh. I think
1: I would drive my mom crazy Uh, when we, she would try to get us up for Sunday school. I would just fake like I was asleep the whole time until she would get exasperated and just give up. Okay. So, religion yeah. just wasn't a big part of my life. My dad he never really stated his religious beliefs. He unfortunately passed away. Uh I believe he was pretty much an atheist. Maybe he had some vague belief in an afterlife, but he was pretty much,
0: Hmm.
1: I mean, maybe he found, I mean, at the end, I think maybe he tried to find some faith, but he wasn't a big church guy at least. Yeah. Um, I know my grandfather was a deacon in the church and he was only there for business reasons. Um, He was an atheist himself. So um, also, growing up in Colorado Springs, since there are the evangelicals, there is a little bit of an us versus them mentality for the more secular people who live there. We kind of look down on the evangelicals there. Hmm. Um, I mean, Colorado Springs is conservative, so it's not right. like, you know, like a coastal versus the middle of the country thing, but they always felt, religion felt a little bit weird because they were so, in our, in our opinion, were so religiously extreme, uh-huh. that there was kind of this like you didn't want to have anything to do with religion because focus on the family which is so out there
0: yeah got it so when you say you like the kind of secular part of colorado springs looked down on the more religious part was it in a sense of <clears throat> the religious people are naive ignorant or you know just straight up dumb or like they don't even look at science like in what sense are you you no, I don't think we were that? like
1: typical LA open mic comedians in that regard. Yeah. <laughs> um, I think it was just more kind of like it felt weird. Like, um, I think there was a certain kind of na- naivete that we looked down on, but it wasn't really so much a dumb thing. Yeah. Because we had the same attitude with the Catholics. We felt their kind of superstition, you know, um, the taking of communion, the, the the eating of the, what is it? Uh, what's the term? Transubordination. The oh, the, the transubstantiation. All that stuff, yeah. 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 I make this joke that Colorado Springs was so white that our others were Catholics. <laughs> so, you know, that's kind of... It yeah, was just yeah, kind yeah. Of, it just felt weird for us to give that much faith to something. Got and it. And so maybe just in was the just,
0: extreme sense, it was like, oh, they're just, yeah, that's off.
1: Yeah, it just felt a little bit off, and, like, it, it felt a little culty. Like, yeah, when you would yeah. go up the block, Black Forest up north, it was just, like, the energy would change, and you would feel like you were, you know, walking around Jonestown or something.
0: Sure, sure. So where do you both fall now when it comes to religion, spirituality? Uh, So Matthew, let's start with you Do you believe in a God or in an afterlife? I mean,
1: I'm a fence setter about everything. My politics, I'll argue Republican, Democrat. Uh, It takes me forever to pick a position. So understandably I'm agnostic. I really don't decide one way or the other. Um, I think I like the idea of there being a God. Um, Mm -hmm. I'm I would say I'm more towards the atheist side, but I do find it obnoxious and condescending when people who aren't religious look down on people who are religious. And I think they basically have the privilege to not be religious because um, I think a lot of people who are religious have had tough, they've had tough times in their life and they need something to help get them through life. Sure. And I, I think it's kind of an arrogant, privileged position to look down on someone who has found religion to help them cope hmm and also i mean even if you look at people who are atheists everybody believes in something wacky like the, the what's the la joke i'm an atheist but i believe in crystals
0: right yeah yeah exactly or you believe in some like yeah you're manifesting to the universe or
1: or you believe in the or you know look at how many people cried when obama was elected i mean there was right. this
0: religious energy projected right. onto him so right it's... or when hillary wasn't elected
1: yeah i mean i'm kind of one of those people i think even if you aren't religious you will subscribe to religious thinking so
0: sure that's my sure.
2: roundabout answer yeah. to that well, i think
0: that's fair i think that's fair uh what about you andy
2: i mean i basically believe cmr is going to go to hell one day <laughs> <laughs> that's basically about well,
0: cmr i mean first of <laughs> all cmr will and second of all cmr doesn't <laughs> exist andy and he's gonna have to just do mike's at ta- a dow comedy studio <laughs> outside in they their keep, parking they, lot. Uh,
2: they keep not finding his name on the slotted list. They're like, oh, I'm sorry, dude. Yeah, just I guess, I don't know. Maybe, maybe there's a glitch in your computer or something. I don't know, man.
0: <laughs> oh, my goodness. <laughs> so no, I, still, I...
2: Yeah. W- sorry, what you were going to say? You, I was just going to say,
0: do you still ascribe to Christianity or...
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I still believe in it and go to church and stuff like that.
0: Gotcha, nice. And, and for you, what is the afterlife?
2: I mean, like, what do you mean? Sorry. Well, I mean, like, like
0: what will we be doing? Do you do you have any idea or any thoughts yeah, about what you'd like the to be stuff, doing?
2: Like, like, that's the thing that's always like been weird to me is that uh, you know people are like, oh, if you get to do this, you get to go to heaven. I was like, and then what? And yeah, like, yeah, yeah. You just hang out. I was like, I do that here. I <laughs> was like, like it. It's not like there's. Sure. I feel like there's. Else, but I just don't know what it is, you know? And people are like, oh, and the roads are paved with gold and stuff like that. I was like, that means nothing to me. That is nothing for it's me. It's a YouTube song. Yeah, they're like, early gates. I'm like, okay, again, nothing, nothing right.
1: doing I'm- Yeah, you're just hanging out with Bono and you think it's going to be cool, but he just lectures you about Africa. You're like, he's <laughs> like yeah. dead. Oh my
0: gosh. Yeah. yeah. Uh, nice. All right. Can I cool, just yeah. hang
1: out with The Edge instead and just talk about guitars. <laughs>
0: <laughs> That'd probably be
1: preferable. From bullet
2: to blue sky, over and over again. You're like, all right. Do you think? Good. Do you think
1: Eddie Van Halen's idea of, of hell is like him being on the same stage at the Edge and people being more impressed by his guitar playing? <laughs> do you think that's what's happening to Eddie Van Halen right now? If he's in hell,
2: he's more. They're more impressed by his guitar playing, or no? By with the, by edge. the edge. Oh,
1: they're like, I really love with or without you. He's like, it's just three notes.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I think I do think hell is going to be a personal thing. I don't think, yeah. I don't think of like necessarily heaven and hell as being places, more of states of mind, states of being.
1: Well, I would, I think it's the internal manifestation of strife and joy. So I think it's kind of what we sure. imagine in mental, I, I take a very philosophical view that it's kind of the manifestation of what we want.
0: Yeah. And I or think fear. that's,
1: our fear. Yeah, true. I think yeah. it's not an anthropological point of view. Um, But yeah, I think that's definitely true. You know, I think we've needed it's kind of like a creative expression of what we fear, love, want.
0: Yeah. Um, yeah and yeah, yeah. Was,
1: yeah, my hell would definitely be listening to Andy set on repeat. Oh, sorry. <laughs> that's CMR. Sorry. sorry. Oh,
0: oh, oh. Sorry. Oh, my it, sometimes goodness. it
1: seeps in, you know, I just can't control it. So rough. That's so rough.
0: Now, I don't know if we're going to hit, cause I'm a poor, I'm a poor lad. Uh, if we're going to hit our zoom meeting limit, we might get cut off at any moment, but I want to, I want to move now to where you guys get to pepper me with questions on my face. Oh, We've got a good well, taste me. of your you know, comedic background, your religious thoughts, spiritual thoughts. I want to move now to let you, Andy, and you, Matthew, or whomever you might invite uh, to ask me, what's the deal with Mormons?
2: Uh, Seth. Yeah. You guys cannot donate blood, right?
0: We can. It is. It is, oh my goodness. It is Jehovah's hey, Witnesses. <laughs> That cannot oh, donate exactly blood, good. right? Mormons, did, we're good. Members. Did of you the give tr- my tape to your brother Joey? <laughs> I didn't. I did First of all, I didn't get your tape, and second of all, for the fifth time, Joey is not my brother. It's a different Lawrence. <laughs> okay, can you give it to Mitt Romney? Can you at least introduce yourself first, and then? Hello, my
1: name is comedian Matthew Robinson. I'm a comedy alpha. There's been a lot of beta bullshit going on right now, so it came to set things straight.
0: Are you going to look at the camera or are you just going to give us the profile the entire night?
1: I'm afraid to connect Seth.
0: (laughs) All right. All right. You know what? Fair enough. I did not give your tape to Mitt Romney. I would love to, you got to send it to me.
1: Okay. I'll just get the liar guys to edit in some laughs and then I'll send it to you.
0: Okay. That'll be good. That'll be good. I can't wait.
1: So, so Seth, I have a question. Sure. Um, um, before you go on stage, do you use an e-meter to see what kind of mood you're in?
0: An e-meter? Yeah, an e-meter. a Scientology meter. thing? Yeah, yeah. Um, a moron thing. <laughs> no, I don't use an e-meter. I'll say a quick prayer, and then, and then I'll hop up on stage.
1: Okay. Um, have you been watching the news lately?
0: Yeah, some of it. Uh-
1: are you upset that your leader Keith Raniere got 120 years for
0: assaulting those members of their "quote unquote" cult? Unbelievable! Are you <laughs> talking about the the Rizmi guy or whatever that is? Yeah, um,
1: the guy from Nexi Mormonism.
0: <laughs> That's not what it is. He, yeah, it was next was... level Mormonism. <laughs> no, I no. You know what? I don't even know who. who you no, know, that I guy mean... had a
1: lot of wives, so I think you should be impressed.
0: I mean, look, I'm impressed, but not on a religious level. I, I feel badly for all of his victims. I I just can't even imagine. But no, he had no affiliation with my faith, CMR.
1: Yeah, we'll see about that. Um, I'm right. going to do some research on that. And lastly,
0: yeah. um,
1: did anyone in your family die at the Jonestown Massacre? No. Okay.
0: Not that I know of.
1: What, ab- what about Waco?
0: <laughs> no.
1: What about... The children of God. What about the Manson family?
0: Oh my gosh, no, no, neither of neither of those involved anyone in my family. Is
1: there anything I could do to get you to brand Joseph Smith's initials on your genitalia?
0: <laughs> there is nothing you could do, CMR. There's nothing. I mean, this has been
1: very informational. <laughs>
0: i uh yeah you know we we actually as a faith, discourage tattoos uh, mm. because we believe in the body as a temple, right so you stole that from our Jewish brothers and sisters stole what that idea that you can't get tattoos I mean, I don't know that we stole that idea necessarily from them one 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 thought i I mean. We, I believe that we are the second chosen people. The Jews were the first mm. chosen people, members of the Church of Jesus Christ, number two, baby. We are the second mm. chosen people.
1: Elections would say otherwise. <laughs> what do you mean?
0: Which elections?
1: Um, I think we're going to have a gay trans president before we have a Mormon president. I think Mitt Romney ruined that for your people.
0: <sighs> I feel like the media ruined it for Mitt Romney is what happened and ruined it for the rest of us, mm. you know? I feel like because Mitt Romney was not elected, we ended up with Donald Trump. When, when you go on
1: vacations with your family, do you put your dog in the pa- on the top of your station wagon as well?
0: You know, we, we never actually took a vacation with a dog as a family. Mm. Um, but, you know, I mean, to be quite honest, I don't see the problem with that.
1: Now you're understanding what Andy has to go through twice a week. Set. So you should have a newfound appreciation for his patience.
0: I do. I always appreciate Andy. Andy, Andy yeah. looks as patient as, as the religion he looks like he belongs to.
2: Yay. Um, which one is it?
0: Amish or Mennonite. Oh. <laughs> nice roast,
2: Lawrence. You're all right. Dad, I have two questions for you.
0: Yeah, please.
2: Um, one. Uh, Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. What group is that?
0: What do you mean? That is my it's- faith.
2: That is your – okay, that is your – Yeah.
0: So Mormon is a nickname that has been given to us by others that we've sort of embraced and tried to rebrand over the years. But our, our church leadership has actually come out a couple times within the last few years to say, hey, we need to, we need to step away because people are confused. They think Mormons are just about some guy named Mormon. And mm-hmm. the real name of our church is the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. So if you're going to shorten it, just Church of Jesus Christ, then no one's confused. We're Christian. I was going to
1: ask you if Mormon was Brigham Young's nickname.
0: No, not, not Brigham Young's nickname. Mm-hmm. Mormon actually comes from the, the individual who collected and put all of the gold plates together to become what we now know as the Book of Mormon. So mm-hmm. originally written by... Trey Parker different- and Matt Stone. yeah right no not trey parker matt stone uh many ancient american prophets and mormon one of these prophets at the end of the time period that the book of mormon covers uh collected all the plates and put them together
2: um do you guys like you guys used to have a bunch of commercials in the 80s yeah
0: it's about time
2: why why don't they have those commercials lately anymore
0: I think, uh, you know, we, we, we sapped the TV market for all we could. We've moved online. So you can find some online commercials now. Um, you gotta, you gotta modify your your searches though. CMR you in particular.
1: Mm. Yeah, I did some searches and I I saw a bunch of Mormons doing ungodly things (laughs) on a dark web website. I don't think they were real Mormons.
0: I don't think they were real Mormons either. (laughs) Those Are you to like music. What's that? Are you
2: required to like the Killers?
0: <laughs> I don't or think we're required dragons? to. I liked Hot Fuss much better than their other subsequent albums. Uh, but yeah, their first album was quite good. I thought. Yeah. Very fun.
2: Are there any like Mormons you look up to where you're like that guy's or that girl's got it going on? That's awesome that they're doing that or whatever.
0: I mean. I mean, there there are definitely people that I know that I admire that, you know, no one else would know or care about. Um, But like in our field of stand up, Ryan Hamilton, I for sure look up to him. Um, and, And he's he's definitely crushing it. And he's done so sort of without the crutch that I go to, which is this, you know, religious background. I think most people who watch Ryan Hamilton would have no idea that he's a member of the faith.
2: I thought he talked about it, like, in his Netflix special, like, briefly. Like, he just touched on it for a second. It was like, oh, okay. Uh, I, be...
0: I think he talked about coming from a small town in Idaho. He might have alluded to it, but I don't think he ever came out and was like, I am a member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, and I don't know what cocaine is. <laughs>
2: so, I remember uh, one time I, there was, like, a while where I was, like, a super fan, so I was just trying to find every podcast with him on it just to listen to him sure. talk, you know? And I found one that was just, like, a podcast they record at the Comedy Cellar. And it was just, like, the entire table just busting Ryan Hamilton's balls over being Mormon. And I was like, oh, no, Ryan, get out. I'm going to
0: have to find – you're going to have to send me that link. I am so interested to hear that now. So
1: two serious questions. One –
0: Matthew, welcome back. I know, I I know. It's late
1: at night. I don't want to scream and wake up my wife. And uh, I I just had these thoughts come into my head, so I – i decided to say it through my real voice um, i
0: loved it i loved it, it thank nice you thank you CMR. i wanted to give
1: you the cmr experience so you know what andy has to go through on it was beautiful twice weekly basis
0: i mean bless you andy bless you
1: and, <laughs> <laughs> yes he has a, he has a say um <laughs> two questions yeah um do mormons have any kind of um I don't want to say sympathy towards people who are members of the church of Scientology, given what Mormons went through in America, being classified as a cult up until I forget the day um, it was changed, but you know, the Mormons were ran out of what was it? Illinois, right? Joseph Smith had to get run out. So is there, are you guys more open um, to any forms of religious persecution? Are you against it? Or even if it is a little bit weird, the religion that's being persecuted?
0: Yeah. I mean, I think, I think, there's, there's a personal, for me, I don't, yeah. I mean, I think, I think that we should be right. We should be more uh, sympathetic to those who face persecution um, for their religious beliefs. I think as long as they're sincerely held, you know, Mm -hmm. I, I don't see any reason to persecute someone for a sincerely held belief that isn't harmful to other people. The part where I'm a little bit less, uh sympathetic to scientology as a religion of people facing persecution for it is because i mean i don't know i guess it's it might be hypocritical but you know to me it's like well it very clearly came from this guy who was a science fiction writer um mm-hmm. and it's also used for pretty nefarious purposes right like there are people mm-hmm. who they kind of chain up lock up yeah the sea life stuff almost slave labor servitude yeah yeah i mean you know so to me it's like well that feels more culty and less about really bettering society community individuals than it does just harming people for the benefit of a few mm. when um is there considering catholics
1: sometimes look down on other religions is there ever this part this little schadenfreude whenever there's another catholic sex abuse scandal you're like ha, we're not them
0: no i mean that feels yeah i mean to me that is truly tragic um i obviously the priests and you know to a very lesser extent nuns that participate in abusing others is awful um and they'll they'll face judgment um but no i i always feel bad sad Mm. for people that you know when, when those stories come out, I'm just like, Oh my gosh. And I think in, in a larger picture, I do view, you know, legitimate, I I guess, legitimate or, or more sincere mainstream religions as kind of in the same boat, you know, we're all judged based on the, the, you know, Westboro Baptist church, you know, we're all judged based on, the most fanatic like, so take Islam, right? I feel terrible for those who, who follow the Muslim faith and are Islamic. And it's like some, some terrible extremists do awful things and give an entire uh, way of life, a really bad name when really the mainstream way of life is quite beautiful, you know, quite, quite focused on bettering self and others and not at all about, you know, Uh, jihad or whatever it is you want to you know Hmm. whichever aspects of the extremist faith you want to pick on that's not what islam is about you know Hmm.
1: and i guess last um i don't know if andy feels the same way as i do but part of the reason i moved towards cmr is because being a waspy white male comic there's nothing unique about it sure you being a mormon the moment someone hears you're a Mormon, there's something interesting. There's not, there are Mormon comedians, but you are a little bit unique. Is that, does that hold you back? Do you feel like you have to address it? Do you sometimes feel that when you are doing Mormon jokes, that's kind of hacking, you're selling out, like what's the internal struggle with playing your faith? Cause it is an easy thing to go after for laughs and it is interesting, but do yeah. you kind of feel like, um, not that it's similar to maybe someone who's trans or someone who is, um, a different identity that's maybe not as well represented, um, do you feel sure. fear that you might get pigeonholed if you just talk about quote unquote Mormon things?
0: Yeah, uh, I, I guess I don't. I, I mean, the true answer is if I can get famous for anything, that would be amazing. And if <laughs> yeah. I have to be pigeonholed, then I'll be pigeonholed, right? Like I think about like Larry, the cable guy. Do you, do you feel like he is ever tired of being that character? Yeah, probably. But is he super grateful for what that character has done for him? I bet a hundred percent um uh and i think at some point we're all a little bit hacky you know i think we all know kind of like there are certain things about myself or my character that will always get a laugh i can always do that it's cheap it's easy it will get a laugh like one of my opening jokes is joking about polygamy and i know it's going to get a laugh and it's Mm. super hacky you know but it at least sets up kind of what everyone can expect from my set sort of like, you know, CMR coming out to hype music. Yeah. You know, that's, that's a little true. hacky, you know, it's <laughs> a little easy, right. But it sets the stage for what you want to do. And I think you motherfucker. the, the clearer that we can do that as a comedian, then we can play with that going forward. And that's really where I feel like the artistry of stand up comes in is where, where do you take the hack at the end of the set? You know, where do you move it? Um, and, well, I got the idea I, for
1: coming out to that entrance music after watching Hannah Gadsby's Nanette three straight times. So I don't think the idea is hack. I think it's post-comedy.
0: I mean, if you're trying to put on a one-man show, then I, I, I applaud you. I, I applaud you. Please, please talk about how difficult your life has been as a waspy alpha. <laughs> that would be great. <laughs>
1: Hey man, I might get a, I might get a show on Fox News, man. Just leave you all.
0: <laughs> I mean, you might you could be their their comedic go-to uh, analyst.
1: Yeah, dude, Greg
0: Gutfeld's getting old, man. Take his place. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, I mean, I guess I do That's feel great. a little bit hacky, but I try to play also with, you know, what you talked about, right? The the stereotypical LA mm. spiritual and how most people in LA look down on those of at least the vocal ones, uh, look down on religion, you know?
1: Yeah. I love your joke where you kind of turn it. I forget what the exact joke is, but you like talk about people shading on religion and you're something like a joke about that's all right. I'll be smiling at them from heaven.
0: Yeah. So I have two, I have two kind of versions of that. One is, yeah, I'll have the last laugh. If anyone's going to laugh at all, it'll be me. Um, the other is where I talk to people about, I, I try to divide the crowd, right? I'll be like, mm. Hey, who here's, you know, religious. Cause I believe something kind of silly and that's fine. Who believes in crystals? Cause that we can all agree is really stupid, but who, who here is an atheist and a good person. And then the punch is, you know, when a bunch of people are like, Oh yeah, totally. That's me. I'm like, great. I think you're wasting your time because nothing <laughs> is waiting for you. <laughs> so why be good? I don't, I don't understand that. You know? um so yeah i try to play my character my persona as uh, a little bit disgruntled religious you know Mm. religious but recognizes there's a world out there and people don't agree with me but you know here's why i believe what i believe and i think you're stupid just as stupid as i am huh
1: that's interesting because if you're religious in la you kind of are going to have that chip on your shoulder because you're facing resistance at all times and And everybody who claims to be atheist thinks their atheist argument is so groundbreaking when they're just rehashing what Dawkins said or Sam Harris.
0: Sure. And for me, it's not even like the groundbreaking. It's like, it's like, well, this is so clearly true. Yeah. Right. Like clearly this is the way the world was created and clearly uh, you know, happy feelings that you attribute to a spiritual impression are just, you know, pheromones in your head uh, chemicals, mixing with synapses in your brain and that's why you feel these things it's programmed you know what i mean it's yeah, just yeah. like elitist i'm looking down on you because you're so dumb so that's where i try to kind of flip the flip the 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 scripts while i'm on stage be like well yeah but you're dumb for being good for no reason at all <laughs> so and these are also people
1: who would probably stab you in the back to get a gig at fourth wall so you know not that
0: good. <laughs> i mean let's be honest we all would look if we had a chance if if improv were still doing things oh, yeah. and we could get Rita to put us on a late night spot, I would I would murder. Yeah, everybody everyone. hates to rig Bucket until they're rigging it for you. Then you're like, oh, I paid my dues. Yeah, you're
1: like, clearly I made it. I don't know. You just got to yeah, put in yeah. your time. Put in your reps. I fucking talked to Bruce Gray, man. I earned it.
0: <laughs> and he kind of likes me sometimes. Yeah, yeah.
1: I mean, I'm... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, no, 100%, 100%.
0: We're all scumbags,
1: man. I mean, that's why... I don't take a lot of this, like, whether it's religious or progressive posturing very seriously.
0: Yeah. And, you know, (laughs) finally, we're all just trying to be good people making this, right? Like, so, you know, why not just try to understand and be a little bit nicer about where people are coming from, which is kind of the point of this whole podcast. So, yeah uh i appreciate you both joining me thank you so much is there anything you you did we cover all your questions that you had yeah i kind of talked a little bit
1: sorry andy if you want to get in there with some more sorry
0: dude (laughs) did you see that that was so like uh, typical it's fine (laughs) if there were other questions you had andy i don't want to shortchange you this isn't the super amazing instagram live feed
2: (laughs) it's gonna be like do you know ethan van skyver do you know john (laughs) heater Are you friends no. with those
0: Are you I cool? don't know any of them, but there's always like the Kevin Bacon, six degrees of separation nonsense. You know, it's like John heater used to be a member of this like stake where I am now. And you know, people know who he is, but I never knew him, you know, that kind of stuff.
2: Yeah.
1: So basically every Friday night is listening to the killers and watching Napoleon dynamite. Yeah. Right,
0: right, right. While Ryan Hamilton's playing in the background.
2: Did you have to go on a mission? Seth?
0: So uh have to, I mean, I guess culturally you feel a lot of societal, cultural pressure to go, um, mm-hmm. but it's never been forced, you know, quote, unquote. Uh, so I didn't have to go, but I definitely felt like I should and wanted to, I wanted to go. So I did. Where'd you go? I went to Quebec, Eastern Canada. Did
2: you learn French for that?
0: Yeah. Yeah. I'd studied some in high school and uh, and then, you know, you can study a language as much as you want, but until you're in the native or a native land where they're speaking it for real, it never really quite hits. So, yeah. So yeah, it definitely came into focus when I was on my mission.
2: Did you have to learn the phrase for, we should separate from Canada? <laughs>
0: <laughs> no, I mean, I, I guess I could translate that out if I needed to, but it's not like they have, you know, what they say is, "Je me souviens," which is I remember. I remember. So, what they're talking about is their heritage. They really came from Arcadia, right, a part of France, and like they are their own people. My wife's
1: from around Toronto, and they cannot stand the Quebecois.
0: Yeah, well, I can <laughs> tell you for it, them, the feeling is quite, mutual. Yeah, the feeling
1: is mutual. Yeah. yeah.
0: Yeah. But, you know, most, most of the more politically minded in Quebec that I talked to admittedly talked about the quebecois as a group as more of an adolescent they want mommy mm. and daddy to pay for everything but they don't want to live in the house so they mm. want to move out but they still want mommy and daddy to pay rent pay food do their laundry that's yeah kind independence
1: of, is great in theory and then you're like ah, oh, this is all the things we get for being a part of canada <laughs> right
0: right yeah. exactly so you know i think it's kind of a tolerated issue at this point mm yeah but i loved it i loved my time as a missionary it was great um met a lot of really great people um and, and uh i feel like definitely learned a lot about myself i thought it was really beneficial beneficial time cool
1: yeah so is there a lot of pressure to go to brigham young if you're mormon or is it pretty much um you go wherever you want <clears throat>
0: Yeah, no, definitely. You can go wherever you want. I mean, I, you know, to be honest, I was uh, bummed about going to B- BYU initially, because um, you know I'd, I'd done fairly well in in high school, and uh, I, my best friend from high school got into Harvard, so I was really hoping to get into Harvard. And I thought, mm-hmm. ah, he and I are going to go to Harvard. We're going to rule the world. And then I didn't get in, so. BYU was the safety, and so that's where I ended up going. Mm. Uh, but it ended up being, you know, that's the way it was supposed to go. I think so. It worked out. Worked out. Just great. think,
1: if you had gone to the if you would have gone to, Har- to Harvard, you could have written for the Lampoon, and you wouldn't be doing this podcast with Andy and I right now.
0: I know. I'd be doing
1: something else. I guess you'd be uh, chilling with Colin Jost and uh, everybody else who writes for Saturday Night Live and every late night show.
0: <laughs> yeah. Right. Maybe so. Maybe so. Uh, or or I would have done what I initially did, which was law and. Uh, yeah. I'd be hating my life at some big law firm right now.
2: Yeah,
1: true. But hey, you're waiting two hours to do five minutes of
0: time twice a week. That's right. I'm living the dream, baby. Living the dream. Have you guys been doing Zoom shows, speaking of which, over the pandemic, other than the super fantastic Instagram show?
1: I've been doing it. I've, um, it was actually Regilio he oh, got nice. me to start doing zoom shows because we were working on something else. Yeah. He was like, why aren't you doing zoom? You know, the, the pandemic's not going anywhere. I was like, nah, I did a couple of mics. I didn't like the experience. I, I just didn't feel comfortable. Yeah. And then I uh, started doing zoom mics and doing zoom shows and I've embraced it. I think it's helped me grow my character. It's helped me learn how to perform in a different way of being filmed. So you learn yeah. different nuances with your voice and face. Right. Um. I think the people who don't, who kind of dismiss Zoom are the people who expect it to be live stand up. As long mm. as you accept the fact that it's not live stand up, it's something different. It's comedy, but it's not stand up. Yeah. I think you can have fun with it. But sure if you're one of these people looking for Zoom to replicate the live experience, you're gonna be disappointed.
0: Yeah, hundred percent. What about you, Andy?
2: Um, I'm not like seeking them out, but like if a friend asks like, Hey, do you wanna do this? I'll be like, Yeah, sure, that that'd be fine. You know, that yeah. sounds cool. But... Yeah, I just, I can't, I know, I know that it's not going to be live stand up, but after having done live stand up you're like, Ooh, why would I want?
0: Yeah. It's like, yeah. like, I
2: don't want to say like, it, this is like the vegetarian version of like real live stand up, but it feels like it a little bit where it's like, mm. it's just like it, but it's not quite like it, but it, it, and like, it doesn't hit the same way. And then it also feels weird when you can see people, especially if they're not paying attention, that's like really demoralizing. I think.
0: <laughs> sure. I mean, how is that any different than... Than an open mic or a show with someone in the front row that's clearly not paying attention.
2: Well, see, that's the thing is just it's just in the in the front row. Whereas, like, I feel like at the Zoom mic, like, you can see four or five people doing that.
0: Ah, okay. like I had two
2: guys in the same room for for some reason using two separate Zooms start laughing during my set. I was like, oh, was that funny? They're like, oh, sorry, man, this this meme popped up. I was like, okay, <laughs> that's good. I'm glad I'm doing this right now. This, yeah, this is great, great. Yeah.
0: Um, what about you, Seth. What's,
1: what's your what's your take on this new comedy civil war we got brewing between live and Zoom comics?
0: I feel like you got to take what is available. You know, um, live shows are kind of coming back. Underground, illegal, illicit, and yep. you know that's. You know, I mean, in, in all honesty, I feel like that's where comedy started anyway. Was in kind of unallowed spaces, mm. so. You know, in a sense, I feel like some of these underground, it's probably a little bit more truer to the art, the history of the form. Hmm. Uh, but as far as, you know, actually performing what you have written and done, I, you know, I, I think Zoom is just as good for that as live. It's, it's like you say, Matthew, a different skill set, um, just slightly, right? And, and I think as long as you do adjust, I, I, f- I found when I adjusted my expectations, uh, it definitely felt better doing, you know, Zoom. Uh, I, I performed f- for the first time in like seven months live last weekend, and it was amazing. Loved hmm. it, and it is a different skill set. You know, both feel very different, and yeah. and uh, but but you know, after doing Zoom, there's a level of comfort in material that I'd never really gotten doing live. You know. Cause you, rely you felt on like the... your
1: writing had to be stronger on zoom. Is that what you're saying? Like, is it a writing thing is it a performance thing?
0: Uh, more of a performance thing and like trusting in myself. So, you know, when you perform live, you have immediate response. Mm. So you can kind of adjust what you're doing and, and how you're presenting based on that immediate response. You know, you're, you're constant. I feel like I was constantly adapting or trying to in a live setting on zoom, because there's such a delay, you, you either have to just trust this joke's going to hit and I'm going to wait for the laugh gotcha. or I'm going to plow through and see what happens uh, because everyone's muted. So I just have to go. You know what I mean?
1: Yeah. Cause even yeah. this,
0: even in zoom there, there are different, shows. You know there are ones where the audience is there and you can hear them and see them and then there are ones where it's they're all muted on purpose, you know, mm. or or you're really streaming to Twitch and then you have like no audience contact other than comments that come up and they're you know, they're like a minute delayed or whatever.
1: Yeah, it sounds like it's like Instagram live is is the same as Twitch in a way.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So I do feel like there's a a trust in in your material that comes with You know, like, I know this joke works because I'm super grateful for the order. I think I would have been toast if it had been Zoom for three years and then going to live. I feel like that's what YouTube stars deal with right now. Mm. You know, like they have a skill set and then they go live and it's like, this is not the same thing. Um, So having the background, doing it live for a long time and then adjusting it a little bit for Zoom. When I went back and performed live last weekend, not every joke, like the audience did not like every joke that I told. Like they were clearly uncomfortable with some of the stuff that I was talking about. You know, like I attack like people who believe in crystals when the host went up and talked about him believing crystals. So like the audience was sort of like, oh, where is this guy going? Mm-hmm. But, you know, it's like, I don't care. I know these jokes work and I'm just gonna, I don't, silence doesn't bother me anymore. Mm-hmm. It's kind of the takeaway, you know?
1: That's yeah, that's the hardest thing to learn. Stand up, man. Doing, yeah, enjoying the silence.
0: Yeah, and I feel like that's is what Zoom has really helped me with.
2: So. Yeah. I, I definitely like. I, I hope I didn't come across as like Zoom shows are for losers and people who just like have nothing better going on. Like well, I definitely, that's definitely appreciate...
0: what I understood. Um...
2: <laughs> no, I definitely appreciate when people ask me to do Zoom shows. I just feel like I'm like, oh, should I just be writing instead? Like should I be writing pilot sure. like, shows and stuff like that. And
0: yeah,
2: it feels weird for me to like. uh I'm I'm on Zoom for like work like half the day mm. and then up off that and then like they're like get on Zoom again but for people who are going <laughs> to
0: like, hopefully
2: you're oh. about to do I'm like oh okay yeah
0: I'm exhausted yeah I've, I I think you know to bring this kind of full circle I I do think what comedians are doing over the pandemic whether it's getting more into a podcast writing for TV you know or getting a spec script together or writing their movie they've always wanted to write um sure. Or, or, you know, doing Zoom Doing shows. an
1: Instagram live
0: stream. Doing an Instagram to an average live of five stream. and six people each live stream. I mean, those are Seth. some pretty good numbers. Yeah. Uh, I do feel like there's a spiritual parallel in that we're all just trying to ride this out. And we're all yeah. trying to get better at what we're doing. And I'm going to sure. be interested when, you know, vaccine comes in or when Biden wins and everyone realizes we're fine. When everything comes back, Who, who is going to, who are going to be the stars again? Is it going to be the same people? Is it going to be a different group of people? What's going to happen? I think think what there's going to be
1: is it's not like it's a war, right? But like the people who have been doing the live shows, I think there's going to be this initial resentment towards those who didn't. And there's going to be a little bit of a period where like, Mm. fuck you. You guys were scared of COVID. You guys didn't do the live shows. We kept live comedy going. And now you're going to come back to the clubs and start taking these spots. Sure. I think there might be a little bit of a period of a month or two where there might be a little bit of tension.
0: Yeah. Well, how many of these people who are doing live shows now, like the live mics and the live shows who are doing the live stuff before, but not really getting any traction, do you think they're getting better over this period? Or do you think they're doing the same thing they were doing before?
2: Well, the thing is, I feel like the people, because I've seen, like, the people who, like, maybe aren't as skilled a photographer at their live shows or live mics or whatever are doing a pretty good job of capturing the fact that there's not, like, they have a huge audience either. There's, like, maybe a few people scattered around. Sure. And, like part, Which, like, I totally get. Like, I did I did a live mic uh, last Friday, and people were like, how was it? I was like, it was like a mic. There was eight <laughs> people there. Yeah. They were all ready, waiting to do their material.
0: Uh, yeah. I
2: think heard of half my material was making fun of other comedians but i didn't so there's like it's about your life i don't care so much about that And like well good glad we're doing this then um and then and then i hope that like maybe there'd be a moment at the end where we'd all like come together and just talk about our experience and instead everybody just walked away into the dark yeah (laughs) you do it I was like okay yeah this is typical Mike nobody's gotten better or like hopefully people I have some friends who are writing a lot and some friends are like I have nothing to write about because I don't want to write about COVID all the time mm. That's
0: all I'm about. right like, right got it yeah I, I mean I'm going to be interested I feel like you know the the what's the old adage you know it's not practice that makes perfect it's perfect practice that makes perfect and, right. and I feel like a lot of you know, you see people who, s- who start and soar very quickly. You see people who start and s- are stagnant for a long time and then maybe get better. You see people who kind of plateau or just like never really seem to get any traction or, or learn from past sets. I mean, I can't tell you how many times I've seen people do the same jokes repeatedly to the same reaction. And it's like, I mean, when are you going to change that? Yeah. So I- I feel asked- li- what's that?
2: Have you asked them?
0: No. <laughs> oh. No, I mean, I, I, you know, I don't know.
1: Now it's time to play. Who is Seth talking yeah. about? <laughs> Hope it's not my set.
0: <laughs> no, no. I try not to have people that I feel like that about on my podcast. So.
2: Oh, okay. Oh. <laughs>
0: yeah. Yeah. I did that Thank like one
2: time. Not a good idea. They were just like, what, what do you mean? I was like, I'm just, have you tried like doing other jokes? They're like. This works. I was like, I have never seen this joke work. Like, yeah. what are you
0: talking? Yeah, I mean, I feel like delusion for a stand up is both a blessing and a curse, oh, necessity yeah. and a necessity and a vice.
1: Yeah, for I sometimes wish I could be one of those comics that thinks they always kill because I could have a great set, but I will obsess on the one joke I could have told slightly better, like. To give you an idea of where my mind works, I'm still thinking about a joke I said in this podcast that I could have hit a little (laughs) bit harder. And I'm like, fuck, I missed that one joke. It could have been better.
0: But, you know, it's that aspect of you that makes you get better.
1: No, I think you definitely – I think there's an F. Scott Fitzgerald quote where it's something like, I don't trust a writer who thinks they're good. yeah. I mean, I don't, maybe that wasn't him. Maybe I'm making it up, but um, maybe it was someone talking about F. Scott Fitzgerald or whatever. But the sentiment I think is true. Right. Like whenever I meet an artist, whatever, it's a musician, writer, screenwriter, actor, whenever, when they have this overconfident bravado, I just always think you're not good.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Because you're not
1: going to get better. You're not going to have that
0: self-discovery, that self. I mean, sometimes it's tough, man. You just beat yourself up. Right. Right. But I mean, I would rather be on the spectrum of like, I mean, obviously there's a happy middle somewhere, yeah. but most of us don't have that happy middle, right? I feel like most of us are actually on the self-flagellation side of it. At sure. least those who seem to get better are are much more self-critical than those who are like, oh no, I crush."
1: I think also if you're going to, in some ways, make fun of yourself for a living, you have to have certain kind of self-esteem problems. You yeah. know what I mean? Like your whole shtick is like being a fool. Like you're being ridiculous. You're being laughed at.
0: Right. There right. has
1: to be something psychologically there.
0: Right, right. And know? I think, you know, that absolutely, that attitude, skill set coincides with, uh, I think, how good you are as a standup, you know? Mm-hmm.
1: Well, I think we should all have been passed by now. So that's just what I, I mean, 100%. I think we're all.
0: 100%. I hope, <laughs> I hope this pandemic has made so many of those who are getting passed at the improv destitute to where they have to go back to their day job full time. They can no longer come back to L.A., and there's just going to be a whole bunch of spots open.
1: I just hope Netflix sees the light and thinks an entire special full of inside fourth wall jokes about other four <laughs> open-light like, comics that no one's heard of. I want to name my Netflix special, Fuck You, Seth
0: Lawrence. People are
1: like, oh, fuck is Seth Lawrence?
0: And it's going to get a million hits.
1: Yeah,
2: I'll be like, that Fuck You, Seth YouTube. Lawrence, Andy Ryder, Michael Regilio. And that would be the set. I'm a Joey Lawrence's brother, Seth
0: Lawrence. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> hey, Joey, I hate your brother.
1: Yeah, that's the only reason I'm using your name because idiots will think it's a Lawrence brother.
0: That's it. There you if go. If there was a
1: famous writer, I would I would do that instead.
0: Right. Oh my gosh. Well, gentlemen, this has been a pleasure. Anything you want to plug, other than your, or I mean, in particular, your Instagram live show.
2: Yeah.
1: Yeah, Andy, we have you have a lot of you have a lot of good people coming up on your night. You have um a couple of American Ninja Warriors. Do we have some Paralympians coming up?
2: Yeah, we have Jessica wow. Clayton coming up next Saturday. She's a uh, American Ninja Warrior. She's really good. And then we have a Paralympian coming up 2 weeks after that. Um he's like a He's got an amazing story. He was a guy who got shot in the parking lot of a McDonald's and like oh my was paralyzed from the waist down. But he's, like, a really good javelin thrower for the USA. And this is, like, his first hmm. – he was supposed to go to the Paralympics for the – I think it was going to be his first Paralympics. It was supposed to be this year. And then it got moved back a year. So he has sure. to, like, wait. Uh, but he's a really interesting story.
1: Hmm. And then not to be outdone, I have Goat versus Fish coming on in November 11th. So. Whoa, yeah. Goat versus Fish, baby. <laughs> um, also, you're going to be on this show, Seth. I mean, uh, my birthday show yeah. on November 4th. Um, I'm having comics on. They're gonna roast my character, and salt me. I, my character is gonna think that they're coming on to tribute, pay tribute to him, and compliment him. But everybody's just gonna be really mean. And I love it. I think CMR is gonna get more and more broken as the night goes on. It's so. <laughs> gonna
0: be great. I, there's nothing better than a broken CMR. <laughs> <laughs> that it's or so when exciting. Andy and
1: I break character. That's, that's <laughs> yeah. When I start fucking things up by going all Jimmy Fallon.
0: Yeah, I mean, honestly, one of the best parts about your your Instagram live show is when CMR gives the profile and starts shaking uncontrollably, holding in laughter. So I always <laughs>
1: like it when I break Andy. That's always my favorite. Like, sure. Uh, like yeah. just, that's the, those, those are the moments my wife always likes the most. She's like, you broke Andy there. You, you said something. <laughs> you could just see Andy's eyes are like, he's kind of like giving that like cancel him look.
0: <laughs> Please stop this. Please stop this
1: he's gonna take a photo fo- he's gonna take a photo of his ballot and be like look i voted the right way don't cancel me
2: i feel like it's usually breaking out though on the nights when nobody else is watching. Yeah. <laughs> like the guest canceled last minute and then it's just me and matthew talking oh that
1: was the one uh the andy ride are you so crazy the gina thing yeah there were like three people yeah. on
2: it <laughs> yeah. oh my Dan, gina, are you so crazy
1: yeah
0: uh, <laughs> that's also the that. funny
1: thing too is sometimes i hear my wife laughing in the bedroom that's kind of how i can sometimes gauge if things are going well oh yeah. sure
0: oh that's a great barometer that's a great barometer
1: it's also a lot of people haven't figured out like she's my wife because a people are surprised that someone who does comedy like that is married
0: but <laughs> <laughs> right right uh so when is the instagram live shows every
1: friday um, no, it's Wednesday and Saturday. Wednesday is my night. They're both at 7 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. Wednesday's my night. Saturday's Andy's night. Uh, so Andy has accomplished people on Paralympians, people who have released specials, specials and I have a dirtbag open mic comics.
0: <laughs> and that's why I've only been yeah. on Wednesday.
1: <laughs> that's, why you got, that's why you got the Wednesday, <laughs> Seth.
0: Get a special, and then you can go on Andy's night. Unbelievable. Uh, well, this has been a pleasure. I, I should say, before we close this out, Dodgers won the World Series tonight yeah I was watching I was I was
1: was hoping it wouldn't go into extra innings and I would have to be like
0: yeah yeah so thank goodness they closed it out top of the ninth because they were the home team up in the ninth great great game Uh, thank you both so much for joining me I'll put your uh, Instagram handles in the show notes so everyone knows where to find you Uh, this has been a pleasure thank you both so much
1: thank you so much Seth